to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls, girls like us, who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, pop culture, and everything in between. So let's be those other girls that just don't talk about culture, but change culture. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory, and we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. I am super excited for today's episode. I have Rachel SeaTac on, and we are going to be talking about some very interesting topics. And she has an amazingly cool job that she's going to share a little bit with us. And I'm just really excited for you guys to hear what we have to say and what she has to say and learn something, but also be entertained because that's what we do here. We educate and we entertain. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce you guys to Rachel. Um, and I'm going to be looking down to read the bio. So Rachel Seatak is a constitutional and civil rights attorney. She's appeared as a speaker in the campus setting, as well as serving uh, as guests on local and national news, including One America News Network Live TV. In addition to serving as a frequent guest on 700 WLW and 55 KRC, she has authored multiple pro-life op-eds published and featured in The Daily Wire, Western Journal, and USA Today Network publications. She serves as the president of Right to Life of Greater Cincinnati, in addition to serving on the editorial board for the Cincinnati Cincinnati Enquirer. I do not know why that <laughs> struggle with that. Um, she owns and operates her own law firm, Rachel SeaTac Attorney at Law LLC. Overall, she is a boss, um, and it's super exciting. And she's pro life, um, so it's super exciting to have someone um, on the podcast who we can talk to that we can kind of look up to as well. So, first things first, Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, that was an amazing introduction, and I'm so uh, <laughs> proud of you for the name because so many times it's it, it gets pronounced wrong, and you know you just get to just don't care anymore. It doesn't matter. Um, but that was perfect, and um, I'm so glad to be on here today. I love the concept of this podcast that you guys have been just pumping out amazing episodes on for three years and um I was just so excited to reach out to you and to get scheduled and be a part of this I love it I love it so much I'm excited to have you on too um so can you let us know a little bit about who you are what made you want to be an attorney when did you become pro-life what do you like to do just give us a little bit of a sense of who you are on a personal yeah. Level. yeah. So um, when I was in undergrad and kind of my senior year of high school, I didn't get a lot of opportunity to um, get involved in campus as much as I would have liked because I was commuting and I was working um, my way through college and um, commuting while I was working a, a retail job. Um, and it was, it wasn't until I kind of got to um, kind of got to looking towards law school that I became interested in what was actually going on politically locally and mm -hmm. statewide and nationally um, in terms of being involved I think that 
I've been pro-life for a while because I, I grew up with a grandmother that um, was a pro-life activist. She marched at our local Planned Parenthood on the sidewalk and oh, um, wow. she, you know, raised her three girls um, as, as a single mom. And my dad also was one of 10 and his mother raised them um, with their dad not always around. So I was very, um, even though I wasn't involved in the, in the pro-life movement, I, I was coming from a legacy that valued life deeply, um, and that, Mm. and that valued, uh, motherhood deeply. Um, and so I think that it, it became kind of a natural, um, transition after I, I got to law school and I began seeing the ways that, um, that the legal field could really open those doors to influence and to see the change, um, that I really wanted to see in, our culture and in our political spaces. That is awesome. Um, something you said that really stuck out to me was you said that your grandmother, um, she would be uh, be outside of Planned Parenthood. And you kind of saw that and it kind of left almost like a, a legacy. It's kind of like a natural path. I think anyone who has children that's listening or plans to have children, I think that's just something so important. If part of being pro-life and, you know, trying to have a culture of life is modeling that it is actually living your life that way. So many, and you know, I can do a whole episode about so many conservative influencers, they go on their Twitter and say, this is how life should be. And then you look and their life is nothing like that. And then, you know, a video of them abusing their wife comes on Twitter. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, but I just think it's so important. Um, and it just shows that like you also have to walk that life and it just kind of flows this is how you create the culture of life you can do it within your own family too i love that okay sorry y'all we had a couple technical difficulties shout out to freeman for helping us with that i don't even remember the last thing you were saying but um i know that i did ask you if you have any successful um stories that you wanted to share with us from um different cases you've had and things like that and I do remember you did say you were telling us a story about being a mom for um children in a human trafficking home yeah yeah so um I think where we kind of left off is saying that you know it's not just the experiences of in my legal work but also in just where the volunteering opportunities lead in advocacy. And so part of that had mm-hmm. had been that I spent a year as a house mom for um, minors who were victims of human trafficking and just getting to um, getting the, the privilege and the blessing of just sharing their space as they are healing and working through um, such utter brokenness and to see that over time, um, more and more that they, they reconnect to that inner child that, um, that life has stolen from them in so many ways, um, was powerful. Mm. I I remember the first time that I, I went there and they had this room where they were showing us how the girls could pick out different prizes and things for completing their schoolwork and getting along with their roommates and, um, you know, other things that, that let them win points. And 
just walking in that room and seeing these things that are so, um, that were so representative of childhood toys and blankets and cartoon characters and um, nail polish and lipstick and things that it's like, they should be in this space getting to experience this and, and these aspects of childhood and these toys and these things like this. It should be yeah. not here. It should be um, in a place where they're loved and in a society where they're loved. So that was, that was really powerful um, to me. And then I guess from there, like legal um, opportunities for wins has just really been the wins that, that are presented by getting to walk with my clients through these difficult things, um, especially in the midst of like when COVID-19 was at its height and the mandates were at its height and there were so many employers that um, were treating their employees unfairly and that were uh, mandating that they receive the vaccine despite their religious, their sincerely held religious beliefs. Um, it was just so, so, so rewarding to get to walk with them through that. And it was also bittersweet because there were situations where they were being treated unfairly. And this happens all the time, uh, you know, whether it's the religious context or racial discrimination or sexual discrimination. And it's like bittersweet when you get to step into that space and see things change for them, because it's like, why should someone have to get an attorney before things get better yeah. in a space where they have a right to be lawfully regarded in, in these aspects. And it's like, why do I have to get involved for employers to do the right thing? Um, so it's a little bit bittersweet because you kind of and all the in people space, who can't afford. Yeah. An yeah. How many more are out there that like never think to get an attorney? A lot of my clients have never been involved with the law at all. Like they're not, they're just hardworking individuals yeah. who never expected to have to defend their religious beliefs to their employer. And um, yeah, it's, it's bittersweet seeing the best in my clients and the worst of humanity in some of those situations. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I'm really glad that you are in that. And it's so refreshing to hear that we have people um, on our side. And I, I've said this numerous times in the podcast, but we are all have been given gifts that um god has given us and we the bible talks about how we're a body the hand can't say something to the foot the foot can say anything to the brain so we all have different gifts and we all can be helping in the pro-life movement we all can be helping with our career or um and you know we need christians in every aspect we need people who are going to stand up for the truth in every aspect so if you have you know you want to do something in the pro-life movement or if you want to do something to help families and your role might not be to you know be an attorney or be a nurse but there is something out there for you you might not want to do public speaking there is something out there for you you just have to figure out what is it that god has called you to do and then make sure you're doing that you know if god has called you to do to be a doctor that is not god's calling for me i know that for a fact I do not like blood i don't really like being around sick people so you know then God has not called you to be a doctor. But if God has called you to be a doctor, you know, don't listen to someone who says, well, I think the best way to do it is X, Y, and Z. Because we need pro-life doctors. We need pro-life doctors. We need doctors who care about family. We need doctors who care about mom and baby. Um, and that's just one of the things. My mom, um, then I'll ask you another question. But my mom, she always said that, like, whenever you're looking for a doctor, an OBG or not, 
who, what is the type of uh, pediatric doctor? Whatever doctor that helps you give birth. Whenever you're looking for one of them, she always said oh, to OB, make sure. Sh- OB-GYN. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking. But then I was like, I go to one now, but I'm not giving birth. But uh, okay, I guess that person stays with you the whole way. Um, yeah, it's an so obstetrician see- that uh, obstetricians help you with the birth. Gynecologists okay. help okay. you with. And, and it kind of converges into OB, OB-GYN. Okay, okay. As you can see, I do not have children, so I'm not 100% sure. The point is, though, everyone, is my mom always goes, you want to make sure you have a pro-life doctor because um, when it comes down to if something does happen, you want to make sure that you have someone that's going to fight for you and the baby. Time and time again, we hear the doctor say, well, uh, you can just do another one. You can just try again. Like, it's not going to be good. Just try again. And that's disgusting. So you don't want someone like that. So that's why we need pro-life Christians, uh, family-oriented people in those workspaces. Um, so last-ish question I want to ask you is right now there's some things going on in Ohio. Can you talk a little bit about that um, for all of our Ohio listeners? And then even if something like this could happen in other states, you can just kind of discuss that. Absolutely. Um, so what we're kind of looking at nationally is this nationwide push to um, circumvent the legislative process, not go through the normal channels, and to instead cut straight to state constitutions and amending those state constitutions in what um, are often citizen-led ballot initiatives. And that is being particularly weaponized in the um, pro-abortion sphere because uh, of Dobbs. Um, when Dobbs was decided and it was, it was the question of whether or not abortion is constitutional was referred back to the States, um, that opened the door, uh, to making it unconstitutional under the state constitution, because there was no right to abortion found in the federal constitution over our whole nation. So, um, we have already seen. Uh, abortion amendments passed in Michigan. And um, what we saw happen there is after that abortion amendment passed in Michigan, there was a push right after that pass to get rid of parental consent notification requirements. And so um, what we are trying to do, I I, I know, I know. It's like, I, I think that regardless of where anyone falls with if they support abortion or not, we know Parents want to know if their child is pregnant. Parents want to know if their child is is going to an abortion facility and weighing out that decision. They recognize, whether they support abortion or not, that it is a life-altering decision. It's an important decision. And so what we're trying to do is just educate everyone to how this unfolds because people don't understand when you look at an amendment and you're not an attorney. Um, sometimes it can be difficult to understand statutory interpretation and how things unfold and connect to um, the statutes that you already have in place. Most people don't know that an amendment like what is on the ballot for Ohio, it supersedes anything that we have in statutes passed by our elected officials. Um, so it has more weight as being constitutional and being the, the guideline for what is constitutional than statutes or um, legislation that's on the books uh, that's passed by elected officials. So 
what's important for voters in Ohio to know is that um, it is being touted as something that that is like a uh, it's just it's just to return us to the Roe standard. It's just a common sense abortion amendment. When in reality, it's a Trojan horse that is going to usher in devastating consequences for parental rights in Ohio. Um, I think that many people would find it unthinkable that they would look up and live in a state where um, they would no longer um, have to give consent. But if you have an amendment like what is proposed for November in Ohio, um, it says that there cannot be any burden uh, on an individual seeking um, their right to reproductive decisions and that there cannot be any uh, prohibiting or interference with someone who assists or an entity that assists with um, an abortion or other reproductive decision. And so that's how that language is how we see that children are fair grabs because the word individual doesn't limit uh, this this amendment to just adults. Um, so we see that that children come in through that um, terminology. And then we see that any time that you see it, there's not allowed to be any burden at all. When we look at how the courts have looked at that word and have analyzed that word, we're talking about removing basic health and safety protections for women who are in a vulnerable position. We're talking about things like uh, sanitation, for abortion providers. We're talking about making sure that your abortion provider is even a physician um, because in the text of the amendment, um, some decisions have to be approved by a physician like an abortion after viability if uh, if the state has limited abortion on the basis of viability. But there's, there's no requirement that the person or entity assisting with an abortion is a doctor. Um, We also look at basic health and safety protections that would get in the way, uh, potentially things like mandatory reporting requirements. Right now, anyone who's working at an abortion facility has to um, report to law enforcement if there is uh, a, a client that comes in that um, reports abuse or um, that, you know, reports that they are a, a trafficking victim um, or that they are, you know, being coerced or forced into that abortion. Even with the laws that we have in the books, we've already had it happen in Ohio where minors have been brought into Planned Parenthood and um, by an abuser, someone who uh, was not a minor brought in a 14-year-old. He was 22, brought in a 14-year-old and paid for her abortion. Um, That was a lawsuit. And then we had another lawsuit in Ohio where um, a client came in that was a a minor and she was abused by her father and wanted an abortion. And the uh, Planned Parenthood employees did not report that abuse. And so she also sued. And then we had a case in 2018, um, kind of this is where it gets into the gender issues where uh, two biological parents lost custody of their child because they were not willing to move forward with the gender transitioning. A term like reproductive And this is in decision. Ohio? Yes, in Ohio. In Ohio, custody oh, wow. was taken from parents that did not want to go forward with gender transitioning. When you look at that language oh, wow. in that amendment, it says reproductive decisions. That's not a term that's in Ohio statutory language. It's something brand new that is designed purposefully to encompass anything touching 
reproductive organs. That includes sex change oh, surgeries. Wow. That includes hormone therapy. And so that is that is the avenue that custody will be in jeopardy for parents that are in those custody battles. If you don't provide your child with what they're saying is a right to an abortion, is a right to um, gender uh, gender sex change surgeries and, and gender hormone therapies, you're, you could be at risk of losing custody. This is crazy. I mean, every, just about every single thing you listed, I think no matter where you are on the scale, you would be on our side. Uh, you would be against this bill because when this is just so crazy, because some of the stuff is basic. What is so very frustrating about hearing these type of things is unless we, me, you, the audience, unless we're talking about it, people are not going to know. They're going to see the pretty graphics that Planned Parenthood is going to post. They're going to hear the story of the girl who is has been affected. And I'm not diminishing her story because there's, I'm sure there's people who have had terrible, terrible experiences and want to share their story. But all they're going to hear is that is unless we are talking about these things, they're not going to know about what's truly in this bill. The average person isn't doing that research for a myriad of reasons. You know, I think you should, but you know, if you have 15 kids, I don't know. I'm not gonna give anybody excuses, but um, this is really important. We need to be sharing this. Um, I'm definitely, you know, if you have any other information, send that to me and I'll, I can leave the link. Um, if there's like a website explaining some of this stuff, I can leave the link yeah. in the description. Um, cause I, I do think this is something we should be telling people. I'm just flabbergasted, flabbergasted. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, like you said, it's about, it's about the, the emotions, the, the visuals, the, the design and graphics of the other side. That's something that we need to be working mm -hmm. harder on the pro-life side to do. You know, we can be aesthetically mm -hmm. pleasing in our design and in our presentations and, in, um, how that, you know, we put this information forward, um, we can absolutely do that. And there are so many stories of women who have experienced horrible, um, have had horrible experiences at abortions, abortion facilities in our state that um, feel no other space to talk about that experience other than in the comment section of the clinic. And that that is so heartbreaking to me. We 100% welcome in anyone that has had an abortion. This is a space where you are welcome mm -hmm. to share your story, your experience, your healing process, your grief, um, all of it. Um, and I can't say the same for the other side. Women who have had an abortion and and regret it in 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 a in a pro-abortion movement that says shout your abortion and um and abortion is self-care and abortion is health care, there's not really a lot of room for women grieving um an abortion or who are struggling with understanding how the sense of loss associated with a miscarriage is related to or fits in with um, what they're told they shouldn't feel during an abortion. And so um, it's so important that we welcome those women in, that they know that, you know, we are there for them. We do have love and support and care for them um, in, in healing from their previous abortion and in moving forward if they, if they are wanting to pursue a family in the future. Um, I think that that's, that's so important. And I think that's a good, I have one more question, but we're kind of wrapping up. I think that's a good thing to like, kind of wrap up on is our side um, is the loving side. 
Um, now, are there people who are probably mean? Yeah, I'm sure that's how it is everywhere. But our side truly does care because like I mentioned and you mentioned earlier, if you're going to care about someone from the womb to the tomb, if they have dignity, if they um, have a right to life, all of these things, like that does not change because they do something that we do not like. They still deserve to have dignity. They still deserve to be treated as a human being. Um, absolutely. I think that's absolutely. something that our side does a, a fairly good job at. Um, really quick, there was this, um, I shared something anti-abortion related on my Facebook page. I can't even remember what it was. And, uh, this guy that's friends with me on Facebook, he only comments when he disagrees. He commented something like, um, well, you're, you're hurting women. And then one of my friends commented, what about the women who feel they've been hurt from abortion and they feel ashamed? Something like that. And he was, he said something that I knew, like, I knew he was going to say this. He said, they only feel that way because you guys are making them feel that way. And what really, like, clicked, I guess, in my head is it's not us. It's something innate. Like, innately, you know, you should not hurt your child. Even when you, even a lot of these women, they say they'll go in and they just don't want to do it, but they feel obligated like they have to. Now, once again, there are, I feel like I always have to say, like, give the other side too, because people get all touchy about that. But yes, there are women who are doing it for fun and like, who think it's silly or, or whatnot. And, you know, those women, they're a different type of women and I'm not going to address them right now. But there are women who feel um, as if they didn't want to do it, but like, cause there's something innate in us. And I think that one thing to bring it back together, one thing that our side does is we try to, um, you know, help you realize that and heal at the end of every love life in Charlotte, a lady who had an abortion comes up and she gives like a speech about the recovery, about how God has redeemed her. Um, and it's beautiful. And, you know, I'll leave those resources too. If you're listening and you've had an abortion and you just want, um, healing or to, cause there's groups all over the country that can talk to you about that. But we are like, we do want to hear from you and you do have a space for that, um, Absolutely. in the pro-life movement to speak up and share. And as long as you've repented like that, I don't care. Like, I mean, I care, but you guys know what I mean? Like, I'm not, if you've repented, God's forgiven you. Who am I to hold it against you? If God's already forgiven you. At least that's there, not how I feel. There is, um, you know, you pointed out that there, there are so many women who, um, it's, it's not, a. there was a recent video where a woman, um, had filmed herself throughout the day of taking the abortion pill and, yes. um, you know, getting Disgusting. cookies and yeah, watching movies and stuff. And it's like, I think it's important if the pro-abortion movement isn't going to continue to be as tone deaf as it has been to recognize the variety of women that are still being affected in accordance with the roots of abortion. Um, there, there is a study that recently showed that a large portion of women who um, talk about who who participate in the study and talked about their abortion said that if the circumstances were different, they would have liked to not have had the abortion to continue their pregnancy. Um, it is, it's important to keep that in mind as we're navigating this space, because there are so many women who the situation is something that does not 
validate the taking of life, but we are failing them as a culture in saying that that is okay. And in saying Mm -hmm. that the men do not have to step up and support the family. Um, when, mm-hmm. when in 2014, there was a study that was done where it, uh, looked at the responses of over a hundred trafficking survivors. And it found that, um, there was a shocking trend in coerced or forced abortions that were happening w- among wow. trafficking victims. And so, um, you know, how that looks today is that we have, um, Planned Parenthood, whose roots is in racism, the root is in eugenics, the root is in Mar- Margaret Sanger. It used to be called the Margaret Sanger Center right here in Cincinnati when my grandma was marching outside of it. Oh, wow. Um, but we are looking at an uh, America where 40% of human trafficking survivors are Black and 40% of um, women who are receiving an abortion are Black. And this is a problem because mm-hmm. this is it's being perpetuated by the other side that, um, you know, reproductive freedom and pro-abortion is something that is meant to help and aid the black community and women. I can't see that being true when the premise of that argument is that we are better off when there are less of us. That's Mm -hmm. not an argument I'm willing to accept. I believe that black America and America in general is better when everyone has is allowed to take up space everyone is allowed to exist and if we don't allow that in america we should not be surprised when we see things happen that we think point to injustice uh like discrimination in the workplace um like instances of police brutality like uh planned parenthood getting sued for discrimination in the workplace and mistreatment of its employees we shouldn't be surprised by any of that when we are not upholding that inherent right to life from the moment of conception. Wow. I mean, let's just go ahead and end it right now. (laughs) That was so that I agree with everything you said. That was spot on. Um, Last question though, really quick. Um, And I should have asked you this earlier, like before we started recording, but it'll be good to put you on the spot. Um, If every single girl in the entire world was looking at you right now and you had to give them a piece of advice, what would you give them? And it could be about anything. Wow. I know. Sorry. I should have mentioned that I was going to ask that later. I mean, earlier. (laughs) What I would say if I had the opportunity to speak to every girl in the world right now is I would say um, to never let anyone make you feel like that you are undeserving of motherhood, because I think that um, mm. that is truly at the root of a lot of um, a lot of the messaging that women who have had abortion experiences have said is that um, abortion is presented as something that is a decision that is um, it would be selfish to have the children. It would be selfish to bring them um, into the circumstances that that woman is facing. It would be, it, it's the unselfish choice to have that abortion. Um, it's what's best for, uh, for the children that are in her womb. Um, and I think that that is such a distortion of um that is such a distortion of how we should feel about every life. Um, and like we just said, that that carries on even past, uh, you know, 
this this concept of abortion it carries on throughout society so i would say to know that um that she should never let anyone convince her that she's not worthy of of motherhood um that that there are individuals who want your baby who can't become a mother it's a beautiful blessing to be a mother if you if you can't raise your child there is someone who is um willing and waiting um to do that and um, and that she should not let her circumstances uh, convince her that um, that death is ever the right option or the solution to what she's going through for herself or for her baby. Um, life and life more abundantly um, is always uh, the right decision. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on. You guys, this episode, we have been fighting the devil, but I'm so glad we got through it. We did it. (laughs) I think this episode is just a really good reminder of just some of the basic things that we know about being pro-life, but also a reminder that, you know, we talked a lot about being pro-life wound to tomb and actually caring about the dignity of every human being. And I think it's a great episode to share with all your friends, specifically your pro-life friends. I think this is a great episode um, to share. And oh, Rachel, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, how would they do that? Yeah. So I would love to have any of your listeners follow me on Instagram, um, especially, you know, if they're interested in what's going on in Ohio and they want to stay in the loop and be encouraged um, in their beliefs. Uh, My Instagram handle is at attorney advocate. It's all one word. Um, I'm also on Twitter at law underscore at heart. Um, And uh, they can also follow uh, the organization that I'm president of, which is Cincinnati Right to Life on um, Instagram and on our website. Um, We would love to have you join us in the effort to educate. Whether you live in Ohio or not, um, we're happy to have you a part of just spreading truth and um, informing the public. Perfect. And I will link everything, you guys. Do not worry. I'll link it for the YouTube and all of the um, Spotify and everything. So our question for Spotify, I think we'll ask, I don't know. I'll think of something. We can discuss it another time. Um, Cause on Spotify, I don't know if you listen through Spotify, you can have um, questions to ask like oh, your yeah, audience. Oh yeah, I saw it's that you guys fun. had like that little poll question. That's the first time that I've yeah. uh, seen that on my Spotify podcast. I thought that was yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see. So it's super the, fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can discuss another time, like, a good fun question um and if you enjoy this episode like i said make sure you share i hope you guys have subscribed go ahead and subscribe and leave a five-star review i know you enjoyed it just go ahead and leave the five-star review it costs you nothing and then leave a comment um tell all your friends your mom your sister your grandmother trying to think of anything else i think that's it so everyone thank you guys so much for listening have a great day night evening however wherever you're listening bye